Hang on, I'm trying to think of my smarmy comment. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to this one. This one was funny to me, so I'm going to use it again. Uh-oh. This is a good one here. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, hey, true believers, it's Craig. And this is Adrian. And this is episode four of We Don't Feel So Good. That's right. We don't. Um, and this is the podcast where we explore the Marvel Universe, the multiverse. And everywhere in between. Everywhere. So let's do this. Yeah, let's do it. I do have a question before we get started, though. Um, it, do you believe that Wolverine had an adamantium penis as well? Yes, obviously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just saying if they put the skeleton in his entire body, you know. I mean, I would hope so. Like, I just feel like Logan would want that. The real question is, is that an advantage or a disadvantage? It's a hell yeah, it's an advantage. Are you kidding me? Hell yeah. Anything that makes it better. Let's go. Adrian, my dear, what are we yes. doing tonight? Tell me what's going on. I'm running the show. <laughs> Just how it's meant to be. First Just of all, you're always, you're always running the show, but what are we doing tonight? That is the correct answer. <clears throat> we are talking about the very complicated cinematic history of the MCU. And I personally do not know a lot on the topic. I have like general knowledge like, I know that certain characters were sold off over the years to different studios, but I don't know, like, when it started, where it started, and so I'm looking to learn, get educated. Hmm. And you're the teacher. Hmm. Wait, that's my job tonight? Yep. Uh, well. You're fine. You're going to do great. Might be, might be some letdown here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Starting just Starting low. Aiming high. Let's do this. Under promise and over deliver. All right. Let me give my let me give my Deadpool Funko Pop a little rub. All right. I feel good now. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Let me get my self situated here. Come on. Don't... You're supposed to be situated already. What I are we am. Doing? All right. We're that's it. I'm taking out. over. I'm situ- I am like, ready. I'm like ready. I have to. Like I have to do most of the time. I'm just The look, the look that Adrian's giving me right now. All right. Let's talk about it. All right. Let's talk about the complicated history. Let's start with the obvious. Okay. When did Marvel first license out certain properties and why? Okay. First, first part of that question is more complicated than a singular answer. So they licensed it like they licensed it out multiple times. The second part to that question is I'm going to answer it with a little bit of a curveball here. You ready, Adrian? I'm so ready. The answer is Superman. What? Okay. So in 1978, 
a movie was made called Superman. And if you weren't aware, when that movie was made, uh, they had a guy by the name of Christopher Reeve who played Superman. Now, other people in that film were guys like Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando. And Superman was a smash. It was the highest grossing film of the year in 1978. It was critically acclaimed, financial success. Like $50 million budget did like $300 million at the box office. So at the time, it was just crazy. wild for that time. Oh, absolutely. Just wild. So everyone was like, oh, man, Superman. This is awesome. You know, uh, they had the Superman theme and they had the really shitty CGI of Christopher Reeve just floating <laughs> on, like, on, a, on a platform. I still think it's like a decent movie. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a really good watch. movie. It's it really is. And, and to this day, Gene Hackman still just plays a great villain. Just a great villain. So he was Lex Luthor and all that fun stuff. So that happens. Superman, they capitalize and what do they do? They make a sequel. Obviously. So Super, Superman 2 happens. Superman 2 does okay, but not great. Then they try to capitalize again, and they make Superman 3. So Richard Pryor's in the film. They make the movie. It it recovers its budget, but it doesn't do well. So as the, the, the trajectory was aiming downward, essentially... There were a couple of things happening. One, Marvel's trying to figure out what are we going to do with the rights to the to the films? You know, to, to these, how are we going to make this work? Is this something we want to do? Do we want to make superhero films? Um, and th- th- there was just a lot of shit breaking on the back end. Not only that, the comic book company in and of itself was going through like restructuring and... And in a, a, a whole kind of financial trouble. So between 1985 and 1995, Marvel had a really just tough time in general. Comics were good, but everything else, the financials, all that shit was just not great. And they ended up declaring bankruptcy. Okay, so in the midst of this time, they decided to start selling off the rights, try to recoup some, try to make some money. So if we sell off the rights to these characters, like one of the most popular characters, if you, if I were to tell you, name one of the most popular characters in Marvel, you would tell me what, Adrian? List Captain something. America. Who else? Iron Man. And? Thor. You're picking all the, you're picking all these guys the that are Hulk. the good looking dudes. The you're picking all the good looking... So one of the, the, one, Hulk, one of the I mean, yeah, he's good looking always. One of the one of the people they would one of the characters they would say is one of the most fundamental Marvel characters is Spider Man. Oh yeah. Yes, so obviously. So basically, after in 1985, Marvel said, "Okay, we're going to put the movie. We're going to put Spider Man up for sale. We're going to take our kind of our one of our point people. We're going to put him up for sale along with like Captain America, the X Men. We're going to throw some of these characters out there." So there's a small film studio, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the film studio, but it's called Canon Films, C-A-N-N-O-N. Canon Films was incredibly immensely popular in the 80s for making really shitty military movies with Chuck Norris. They made like Delta Force and Delta Force Part 3 and like American Kickboxer and all of these like just cheesy action films, popcorn flicks that people I in the 80s. I've seen none of these movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so 
Canon actually purchased and bought the rights. They bid for it and they earned the rights to Spider-Man. They tried to make the movie, but before they could get the movie made, they went bankrupt. And so because of that, Spider-Man got tossed around. In 1999, fast forward, I'm going to come back and connect some of this. But in 1999, Marvel bought the rights back post-bankruptcy. And I'm going to talk about a key figure in that whole process. But they bought the rights back in 99 and sold it to Sony for $7 million. That's that's it. That's all Sony had to pay to get Spider-Man's rights in 99. $7 million? That's it. For full licensing, so they can do whatever they want with the character. They own full rights on Spider-Man. Now, mind you, okay, but in 1999, I want you to think back to 99. Okay, so for me, junior year of high school, I'm aging myself. Junior year of... Hey, so... (laughs) In 99... Middle school. school. How many superhero films could you list... List the superhero films of impact to that point. Pick any of them that you can remember. Up to 99? Mm-hmm. I mean, Superman. <laughs> Superman's one. Who's the other one? Anyone? Come on, Batman. think. Exactly. Yeah. So the two primary superhero films to that point that had done anything of merit, both belonged to DC. And here's the thing about DC from the get-go. DC was financially backed as a studio by Warner Brothers, one of the right. biggest film studios in the in the world. So Warner Brothers put all of their stock into making those films. So Batman, Batman Returns, you know, um, the one with Val Kilmer, whichever one that Batman Forever or whatever it was. So right. when they made those films, they had big time actors. You had Jim Carrey, you had Tommy Lee Jones, you had Val Kilmer, you had Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger all these major players that ended up winning Academy Awards at some point in their career. Yeah. These are all big time actors. When they made Spider-Man, they had Christopher Reeve and Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando. After that, nobody. Richard Pryor. Okay, great. Spider-Man was an afterthought. Most people don't know this, but in 1990, Captain America, the first actual Captain America film was released in 1990. There's a movie, the 1990 version of Captain America. And it's shitty. And the people that are in it, you wouldn't know, except for one name, Ned Beatty. That's the only guy that might be a familiar name in the acting spaces. I mean, people who are cinephiles might recognize a couple others, but in general speak, most superhero films to that, to that point, 1999, were just total shit. That, that, at least in the Marvel side. So, right. So right. it's safe to say Sony's not doing a great job with their purchased properties. Well... Sony bought them in 99. The first Spider-Man film was released in 2002. As soon as they bought the rights to Spider-Man, they started pre-production. And they invested a ton of money. The first weekend Spider-Man was released, it did $114 million. And it ended up grossing $821 million worldwide. It was almost a billion-dollar movie in 2002, which is absolutely insane, considering the only billion-dollar film to that point was Titanic. Right, right. Titanic was 97. Obviously, you remember like the, the late 90s, that was just like a whole, you know, piece of the world. But it's just crazy. So to do $821 million on a superhero film, that was the stake in the ground in 2002. That was the moment that all of a sudden, no matter what Marvel thought or Fox or Sony or whatever, superhero films could be big time. They could be blockbusters. It right. proved it. So 
Um, all right. I'll pause there. There's a couple other pieces we'll dig into, but I want to see if there's any sort of any other questions tied from any of that that I just spilled out to you, Adrian. No, I mean, it's just so interesting because obviously I remember when that Spider-Man movie came out with Tobey Maguire and how just massive it was. Like it was such like a moment, but in my mind as like a late teen at that point, it was like a romance movie. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really see it as an action movie or a superhero film. Like that's why I went because, you know, the upside down Spidey kiss. But um, <laughs> it's a very hormonal teenager. You got, you got um, the upside down Spidey kiss. Obviously. I mean, isn't that why everyone went to go see it? 100 times in their life. Isn't that why everyone went to go see it? Do I own a mask? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. For that purpose, absolutely. Um, but no, it's just, it's so interesting to think that it took that long for that character to get its own film in such a big way. So other than, I don't know if you're going to go down this already, but like other than Spider-Man, mm-hmm. what else was licensed out in the nineties, anything, or was it a while until Marvel licensed out additional properties? Okay. So Marvel sold off properties, um, basically between 1994 to 97. So 20, so Fox bought, X-Men and Daredevil. A couple of people that you did. So New Line Cinemas bought Blade, which is why all the Blade films came out with Wesley Snipes. Right. But those were marketed not as Marvel films. They were marketed as kind of like vampire flicks, which at the time there was this huge kind of like rise in vampire films. You had the Lost Boys with Kiefer Sutherland that came out and had a lot of traction. Then then obviously there were there were novels being written at the time. And uh, Rice. And, and Rice, Interview with the Vampire. And then, and then these little, well, kind of like these novels that some people know about, you know, that were centered around a, a series called Twilight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this whole like uh, epicenter of culture around vampire culture and right. just like zombie movies, vampire, follow, vampire people. There's people who just love vampire movies. Totally. Um, and so they, they sold off those rights. Um, Fox bought X-Men Daredevil. Artisan Entertainment, which ended up... Um, which ended up being, I got to remember, Artist Entertainment ended up being Lionsgate bought like uh, The Punisher, Captain America, Black Panther. Sony bought Spider-Man, originally bought the rights to Thor, Ghost Rider, and Luke Cage, which I know you've talked about. I love you know, and Luke Cage. Wait, they bought Black Panther? Did they ever do yeah. anything with that? No, no. Okay. So, well, you have to understand there, what happened? What happened was this. So here's what happened. So all of that happens, and I, and I should say to be fair, Spider-Man was the kind of the, one of the key pieces. It was in pre-production when when X-Men was released. The first X-Men film was released in 2000. So if you remember, you had Anna Paquin who was playing Rogue, Hugh Jackman plays Logan, Wolverine, um, Famke Jansen was. Uh, you know, she was Phoenix or Jean Grey at the time. Obviously, Sir Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Ian McKellen plays Magneto. I mean, there were some big names in that. I mean, so, epic casting. So Very Fox good. Fox, and Sony both basically pushed their chips to the center before this was a legitimate thing. Like, we look at it now, we go, God, those films could have been done better. But at the time, 
no one was doing superhero films. Yeah. They took the shot. So, um, so I'm going to, those two studios, Fox and Sony have those things going. Yeah. There was a guy at the centerpiece of all of this and his name is, is Avi Arad or Arad, depending on how you pronounce it. Avi is from Israel. He ended up becoming a producer and ended up working with Marvel. Um, he was a film producer and he was the CEO of a company called Toy Biz. So in the 90s, Toy Biz started building out. You see the X-Men toys up here? These are Toy Biz designed characters. So they designed very campy versions of the the figurines of Marvel, X-Men, and all these characters. Well, when Marvel declared bankruptcy, Avi, as this as the CEO, swooped in, got into a big battle with the other people who were, you know, uh, in control of Marvel and were on the board, and ended up out of 1996-97, ended up coming out on top, and he became the chief creative officer at Marvel and ended up owning it. He ended up getting the rights of Spider-Man and all the superheroes in Marvel. Okay. It's impressive. Because of him, he ended up, he was the guy who architected all of the deals to license out all of the Marvel characters. I'm going to read a list of the films that he's produced from 2003 on. So from 2003 on, here's the films he's listed as a producer, not executive producer, which to be clear, if you don't know the difference, producer is somebody who is a, who's literally lines up the talent, the money, organizes the set like he's the guy that puts the film together an executive right. producer is the dude who throws a bunch of money at it and <laughs> he gets to have some insight like yeah i'm a shadow investor a producer is the, is the real deal right. he's considered above the line he's with the director like he's a big deal okay here's the films he's produced i'm just going to go down the list here from 2003 on daredevil hulk the punisher spider-man 2 electra Fantastic Four, X-Men The Last Stand, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man 3, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, Iron Man, The 08 Incredible Hulk, Ghost Rider 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, let's go. Yes. Uh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man 2, Ghost in the Shell, Venom, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Venom Let There Be Carnage, Uncharted, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is coming out, Kraven the Hunter, and Borderlands. He was also the executive producer for Blade, the original X-Men, Blade 2, the original Spider-Man, X2, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, and Spider-Man No Way Home. The guy legitimately, from the essence of getting the rights out and, and, and getting Marvel films made, might be one of the most central pieces. The way I frame him is he's Kevin Feige before Kevin Feige became a thing. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's fundamental. So many of those movies are so good too. So okay. Good. And so here's the thing. What's, what's really, what's really interesting is that there's a gap in the film breakout. Okay. So you have, and here's the reason I say there's a gap is that you had every, what, what ended up happening was the X-Men got popular. Spider-Man got popular. And so the film companies kind of got greedy they said, well, God, let's just make films about all these superheroes. So they got Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner and Michael Clark Duncan to do Daredevil. Right. You know, Black Kingpin. Um, Jennifer Garner, who, by the way, a very sexy Electra. I'm not going to, I mean, 
she was smoking hot. Um, you like her better than what's her name in the TV show? That Electra. First of all, it was 2003. I had literally come back from my first deployment. I was in the military, and here comes Jennifer Garner, fresh out of Alias, with a with a fucking burgundy bodysuit. You know, just red hair, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that's my right, mind. the red hair. Craig has tells. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know what you expect me to do, other than just kind of lose my mind a little bit. Okay, so that comes out in 03. Right. Then they make the Punisher with Thomas Jane and John Travolta, who is a different kingpin, and Will Patton's in that. Uh, Rebecca Romaine Stamos is in that. They make the 04 film, The Punisher. It was, it was. Made by Lionsgate Films, but then finally produced by Artisan, who owned the rights. Ghost Rider comes out in 2007 with Nick Cage and Eva Mendez and Wes Bentley, Sam Elliott, Peter Fonda. I mean, they put big names into these films. And they all did okay. They were they were commercially successful to a certain degree because they were riding the wave of everybody else. But it wasn't obviously until that time when John Favreau got together with Kevin Feige and they said, there's an overarching story to build out of this that we need to create. Something that's connective, connective tissue within the films. So they were all made kind of these independent films to try and see if they would stick, but they weren't built with an overarching, like a storyline, a thread that ran through all of it that was going to connect a universe. Yeah, those um, which were is, all like weekend flicks, you know? It's like, hey, you want to go see a movie this weekend? It's like, oh, this one's playing. It looks good. It's not one you like bought on VHS, DVD, or Blu-ray, <coughs> depending on the time period. Uh, you know, it's just, they're good. Well, here's the other thing, too. How many film characters? It's like, we can go down a list, right? So Ben Affleck played Daredevil, and he also played Batman. Right. Right. Chris Evans played Human Torch and also played Captain America. Yeah. You know, there's all these characters. They didn't, they weren't thinking from that strategy. And so, yeah. I mean, yeah, long answer to the first question, but the, the 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 breakout was that there was a lot of selling and reselling. And the reason why was that Marvel just didn't see the value. But once X-Men and Spider-Man started doing billions of dollars in revenue, Marvel was like, we have to, we have to do something about this. So what point did things shift? You know, like, how did it get to where it is now? Obviously, we're going to get into Disney and all of that. But at what point did Marvel realize we've made a terrible mistake? We need to reacquire all of this. Like, when did the shift happen? Right. So, um, well, the first thing is, is that they had to establish themselves as a studio. Right. So... Marvel Studios um, needed to change their whole approach. Um, They were selling off the rights, and with the rights, they would get kickbacks and all of these different things, right? So the first, the first, actually, the first thing that really like made a big, a big hit for them was, and people. You know, they they don't make it out as a superhero movie, but I'm going to go back to something that's kind of off the wall, which is Blade. 
the very first film that Marvel Studios ever made as an independent finance studios was Blade. Okay. It released on 90 in 1998. It did 70 million bucks, 131 million worldwide. Um, and then X-Men, which the rights were owned by Fox, but it was packaged by Marvel Studios as a co-lead up. So Marvel Studios negotiates a deal with artists and entertainment, which was um, tied to like the Blair Witch Project and some of these other films. Right. Um, so they, they negotiated a deal and it was a co-production venture at that time where they got the rights to 15 characters back. Captain America, Thor, Black Panther, Iron Fist, Deadpool. Um, Artisan would distribute the films. Marvel would take care of all the licensing, the rights, and the merchandising. Okay? The whole library that they built out was going to include TV, projects, all that stuff. They decided it would be co-owned. But when Artisan dumped, right, um, it ended up it ended up defaulting all back to Marvel Studios. Okay, so fast forward to 2004. There's a guy, David Mizell. He was hired as COO of Marvel Studios. He decided, I'm going to make a plan that we're going to do all self-finance movies. No distributors, no fucking third-party Sony, Fox. We're going to make them. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to finance them. We're going to produce them. We're going to direct them. We're going to merchandise them. We're going to do everything. Okay. So, um, at the time they were still recovering from bankruptcy. Okay. So, (laughs) okay. Interesting time um, to make that claim. (laughs) So the reason I say that is because they ended up, okay. So they, they went to a bank. So Marvel, Marvel Studios goes to the bank Merrill Lynch and they say, can we structure some sort of debt structure that allows us to be able to make movies, even though we're still in agreement that like, if you've ever, if you know what bankruptcy is, right? In bankruptcy, you agree to pay back the overall amount of your debts without liquidating all of your assets. There's right. two different types. You can protect your assets. You don't have to sell off your house, sell off all this other shit. You get to keep moving forward, but you got to pay your debts. What we're going to do is we're going to collateralize the debt. We're going to freeze people from shutting everything down. But as you do that at business levels, like how do we make this all happen? So all that to say, they got about a half billion dollars from Merrill Lynch to make 10 movies. And they said, you can make the 10 movies over eight years. Okay. The characters that they picked originally were Ant-Man, the Avengers, Black Panther, Captain America, Doctor Strange, Cloak and Dagger, Nick Fury, Hawkeye, and Shang-Chi. Really? Correct. That's so interesting because some of them ended up so much later on, right? Right. So then as they did that, Marvel starts tapping into all these other distributors, people that own the film, right? So like Universal owned Hulk and Namor. Then there was Paramount Pictures. And then there was New Line Cinema. And so in 2005, Marvel negotiates the deal and gets Iron Man back from New Line Cinema. Then in 2006, they got the rights back to the Hulk. And so what they're doing is over time, Marvel Studios under David Mizell's, uh, you know, uh, guidance was getting everything back in house. 2006, Thor came back. Lionsgate gave up on Black Widow. Marvel got the rights back to Black Widow. 
Now, um, this is where the big shift happens. In 2006, I'm going to go back to Avi, Avi Arad. In 2006, he resigns as the CEO of Marvel. He resigns as the studio chair. He goes, he says, I want to, I'm resigning. I want to retire from that. All I want to do is produce films. And so in 2007, David Mizell was named the chairman of Marvel Studios. And Kevin Feige was hired as the president of production. So they bring on Kevin Feige. And Kevin Feige had done productions and all these other things in the past. And he has this whole history. But as soon as he became the president of production, he got together with John Favreau and... And this is, there's an infamous story. They, they asked John Favreau, they talked to Kevin Feige, where do we start? Now, most people would say, well, you start with Spider-Man. Well, they didn't own Spider-Man. Remember, Sony didn't give up on that. Sony was like, fuck you guys. There, this, is a, this is a $3 billion cash cow. We're not giving that back to you because you can't buy it. You don't, have the, you don't have the assets to do it. Right. So then they said, well, we got to start with the Hulk. Well, we said, we already did the Hulk back in, you know, 03 with Banna. And that didn't go well. You know, um, well, we'll do Captain America. Well, Captain America didn't do well in 1990. What's the one character central that we don't own or that we own that hasn't had a film done? And John Favreau said, look, I've read the comics. I've studied all this. There's only one guy to start with, and it's Tony Stark. He said, Iron Man's the place to go. And everyone at the studio, David Mizell, all these guys are like, you're crazy. Iron Man? Okay, yeah, he's got some comics, but... People don't know who the fuck Iron Man is. And John Favreau said, it's the way you tell the story. And so that was that was the big shift. Is when 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 Mizell get, took over in 04, between 04 and 08, there was this massive reacquisition of properties, restructuring of debt with the banks to get the money and the agreement to make these films. That's wild. It's so true though. I mean, I'd never heard of Iron Man, right? And so unless you're appealing directly to the comic book audience, which that's me, (laughs) that's Greg. (laughs) Why would you, you know, why would you start there? But he must've like just had a gut feeling that it was the right thing to do. Well, and I think, I think when you talk about, so like getting into that a little bit, so let's talk a little bit about, I'm going to pull, I I have a couple of notes here. Pull up. When you talk about the pre-production in the decision to make Iron Man and how it came to be. Okay. You go all the way back to 1990. Universal Studios is the first people to buy Iron Man. They were going to make a low budget film. It was going to be terrible. It never happened. 96 Fox had had acquired the rights for Universal. 20th Century Fox, 97. Um, I think as early as 97 or 98, Fun name here to be Iron Man was Nick Nicholas Cage. Ugh, so Nicholas Cage uh, in 1998, another name you know, and they've made jokes about it. Tom Cruise expressed a, a large interest in being Iron Man. Of course he did. He really wanted to do it. <laughs> okay. So, you know, uh, New Line Cinema starts writing a film in 2000. Um, you know, they start, you know, they, they, then in 2004, they're hired to write a script. The little thing that people don't know is that way back in 2001, a little known director at the time was hired to write a script and they were very serious about him making the film. And his name is Joss Whedon. And if you haven't heard of the name Joss Whedon, 
He made. He ended up going on to make Firefly, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He ended up directing a ton of other films that are tied to the sci-fi universe, the Marvel universe, all these. So Joss Whedon at the time was like, that was the first kind of serious interest right. to direct. And the only reason he wanted to do it was because a friend of his, Tim McCandley's, had written the script and he was a fan of Iron Man. So in 2005, when everything happened, uh, when all that stuff happened, they scratched it and said, we're going to start over. Right before that, there was a guy named John Cassavetes, who's a director. John Cassavetes has directed some pretty strong films. John Q, The Notebook, Alpha Dog, Face Off, Blow. He's made some good films. And and because he made those films, they were hiring him to direct. But But right before they could get it to happen in 2006, they scrapped everything, started over. So why um, they just, it just did not work now. Was it so my, my Zell bites, my Zell gets, takes over as the head of the board and Kevin Feige's brought on the head as production. John Favreau was hired just before then to direct the film in 2006. Another thing about this, when he got the job, he celebrated by going on a diet and lost 70 plus pounds, 75 pounds, something like that. Um, he had wanted to work with Avi, who was already tied in as the producer, because again, people don't know this, but there is a film that John Favreau was in that Avi already directed. He plays a very small side kind of cameo role in Daredevil with Ben Affleck and, and Jennifer Garner. And so from that relationship, tie all these lines together. Um, he said that he wanted to, he wanted to mix a bunch of things together. He said he wanted Tom Clancy, Bond, RoboCop, and then make it as if though Superman was an indie film. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, I think he had referenced the director, Robert Altman. Robert Altman is the director he referenced. And if Robert Altman were to make Superman, that's what I'm thinking about doing. And so um, he also said he knew he wanted to have a political tie to it. It's just John Favreau's style, that there was going to be this kind of political spy feel to the, to the film. And so, um, yeah, that's, that was, that was how all of that ended up starting out with Iron Man. That's wild. So we get into this and at what point did, I mean, it was fairly recent. At what point did the Disney acquisition happen? And how did that change things from that point? 2009, Disney bought the company. Um, so Kevin Feige has gone on record. Like he would prefer to have everything in one spot. He also knows that Sony has some history in building out these films. And so as a result all the money's going back to Disney coffer to the, to the Disney bank. So they don't really care. Like honestly, Disney doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Disney doesn't care if, if no way home making money. That's right. They don't care who the production is or whatever he, they, so um, the Disney acquisition was an interesting um, process because, you know, they acquired, um, 
they acquired the, the, the whole studio, but they didn't end up actually buying the rights back. Okay. So the, the reason being is that Sony. Okay. So, okay. There's a lot of layers to this. It's where it gets complicated. All right. Okay. So there's different pay windows. Okay. So pay windows means like when you have a licensing window, the, the, they get the first, they get first rights. So Sony and Netflix was the first one to do it. They did a licensing deal. Netflix did with Sony. It was $3 billion. Ooh. So any Sony film that gets put on there, they get money from Netflix. Netflix gets to pull from Sony's coffers to put films on Netflix and leverage for their watching audience. $3 billion is what they paid Sony. Within two weeks, Sony struck a second deal with Disney. Okay. And basically the reason they didn't do this, the reason they did this is because they knew that they were going to sell. Right. So they get, they get these pay windows and Disney doesn't get into this if they knew they weren't going to buy. So at the end of the day, Disney acquired all of these companies in order, right? So they got big Pixar at like 7 billion Marvel at 4 billion. They bought Lucasfilm at 4 billion they bought Fox for $71 billion. Oof. Sony fetched a deal of $30 billion. Okay. The company has a market cap over $300 billion. Okay. So Disney's not necessarily like not trying to be competitive, but what they're trying to do is they put everything under one roof. And then from there, if they make a film, like if Marvel Studios makes a film, what what it, all this deal does is it prevents Sony from going. Oh, we don't. We don't. We can make the film ourselves. Disney basically says, "Fuck your petty differences." Marvel has the rights to all the licensing, the overarching licensing. They get to spearhead the film. Sony can distribute it and get their cut of the pie. Right. But the cut, their cut of the pie, just goes back to Disney, so they don't really care. That's so it. Wild. I mean, it's. It's nuts. So as somebody okay. who's been through this whole journey, and obviously as a huge Marvel fan from yep. a young age, you've seen all the ups and downs. How did you feel about the Disney acquisition? And what do you think are the pros and cons as a Marvel fan of having such a humongous company be in charge of such an important property in your life? <laughs> Well, I think the biggest pro was that I really trust the production company of Marvel Studios. I mean, Kevin Feige and the team there, they make – the films are unbelievable. Right. I love the films. And I feel because the films are more pragmatic and they take time and they take – you take world building and story building and scripting. It's definitely more pragmatic and more practical to fit within the the universe the 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 thing that I'm already seeing happening that's the big hesitation, the big con for me is the oversaturation of content on the other platforms, TV shows, cartoons, holiday specials. It's a lot like when Star Wars and George Lucas oversaturated in the '80s, and like totally. they made the Star Wars holiday special, and it was a total shit show. Totally. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think that lessons are being learned. I think Kevin Feige and the teams are smart enough that lessons are being learned that like. WandaVision was great. Loki was solid, in my opinion. 
Hawkeye's not great. Falcon and Winter Soldier's not great. Um, you didn't like Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No, I thought it was terrible. Um, not only that, but I thought it was unnecessary. It's just not needed. It doesn't give context and add to the world building. All it did was just add content, which is great. I get that. But it's not like we weren't going to learn about the multiverse without that happening. I mean, maybe for the sake of saying that Sam becomes, you know, black Captain America and that that, that was the whole point of that show was that he was going to eventually take up the shield because it was this big, like, moral battle that he can't carry Cap's shield. I get that. But you could have done that a different way easily without oversaturating. I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole there, but I'm just saying that the danger, I would say the big con for me is that Marvel gets too big for their britches. Don't forget what got you to where you were before and and don't don't fuck up the formula. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Re- reinvent, diversify, continue to push the envelope on the type of story you tell. You know, openly gay characters and female superhero leads and stories about diverse backgrounds. Do that. Push the comic books into the ether of things that are unknown, like the New Mutants, the Eternals, the Celestials. You know, fold in the X-Men, fold in the old classics as well. But the oversaturation is the big fear. And so as long as they can kind of keep their head on straight about what the end goal is, then I feel like it'll work out. No, that totally makes sense. If you feel okay about it, I feel okay about it. I trust you. That's fascinating. That's so crazy. What a journey for the Marvel world to go through over the years. I mean, it's so it's so funny because now we just are so spoiled like we know we're getting multiple marvel movies a year every year but for you for a large part of your life the representation was super hit or miss like you could go years without getting any new marvel content or you would get really shitty marvel content and now it's just like everywhere i wasn't and it wasn't told in this it wasn't told with the net of a story in a universe yeah it was just independent films basically yeah yeah yeah. I, I, i will never forget sitting in the theater in 2008 when they ripped the bag off of Tony's head and it looks like a terrorist video, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and that's the opening of the film. And it says Iron Man. I just remember being like feeling to my core, like this is way fucking different than what we've seen in the past. Something is, something is different about what is happening. And I mean, even at the time I'm like, Robert Downey Jr., okay. I mean, just think of it. At that time, he was not a guy. And so it was – it's it's this – yeah. That was the moment that I feel like there were two kind of big stake-in-the-ground moments in my opinion. I think stake-in-the-ground moment one was X-Men Spider-Man in the early 2000s. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit, superhero films can be legit. And then they washed out a lot of content, quite honestly. They had to reboot three fucking times with Spider-Man and X-Men were all over the place. Like you got Apocalypse and Last Stand <laughs> in first class. And There's a lot I mean, going on in the X-Men Jesus, universe. Just it's a little shit everywhere. And then, and then in between all of that, before Iron Man hits, you got Daredevil, Punisher, Fantastic Four. You got all this shit, Hulk. And, and it was all kind of bleh. 
And so the next stake in the ground was when Feige had taken over his production and Favreau was a great early. He's the same director he was now, but just younger and and unknown. And they both said, we're going to make this film and we're going to change the course of the way superhero films are made. They're going to be made as art. You know, and I think the one of the things that defined that for me was when you get guys like Martin Scorsese trying to rail against it. When he's making public statements like these aren't films, these aren't real movies. I was like, yo, that's how you know it's a real fucking movie because he's scared enough to have to say something public about it. Martin Scorsese. Unpopular opinion, but Scorsese is an old Hollywood egomaniac prick. Doesn't mean he's not talented, but. yeah. I'm not going to like kiss his feet, you know? Well, I would just say in the film world, I get that you're not. In the film world, his feet are kissed up because, because every film he makes makes a ton of money, wins a ton of awards, and they're incredible movies. And so, yes, as a person, he can come across as a dick, but that's how most guys in film are when they're making multiple Oscar winning films. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so the anyway change but yeah that's it i love it thank you You're i feel welcome. so informed gambit gambit <laughs> look at him when's gambit gonna get his own movie i can't wait see look on his back you can barely see him but he's got the glowing cards in his hand I don't know when he's going to get his own film, but I swear to God, if they remake the X-Men films and Gambit's not in them, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I know you will. I, I'm hope, telling you. I oh, my God. I hope I'm there to see it. <laughs> I really do. The next X-Men film we have to see together because I want to see either your excitement or your rage. Like, whichever way, it's going to be entertaining. <laughs> By the way, do you did you hear about, did you hear about the uh, the Gambit film? What Gambit film? So there was a Gambit film in pre-production, just so you know. Like back in the day? Like when? No. I'm talking as recent as like 2018. Oh. And they nixed it? Oh. Fox was Fox was making a spin-off film off of the X-Men. They were gonna make a spin-off film about Gambit and his origin story. And so do like you know with who, Wolverine and Phoenix? Do you and all do you know who was pinned to play Gambit? Who? They had signed an agreement with him, Channing Tatum. <laughs> that definitely would have made money, a hundred percent. Oh my god, are you kidding me? So anyway, they when they did the merge and and the merge happened in two thousand nineteen when Fox was acquired, they canceled the film. Marvel said until we get all of our ducks in a row on what we want to do in the future with X Men, they canceled the the Gambit film, and so Channing Tatum has since then sworn off all Marvel movies. He won't watch them. He won't it, like, they said they, there's an article where he was interviewed and said it broke his heart. It was the one film role he wanted to play in oh, his life. Sensitive little male stripper. So all that to say, uh, that I'm just saying fun. I would have watched that. Are you kidding me? I love Channing Tatum. And you know, he did. You know, you just rip his shirt off somewhere in the back of that film. Can you imagine how much like fan fiction there'd be on the internet of oh dirty gambit? <laughs> you damn I right. Love it. You damn. He's 
literally carrying a pole with him at all times. Yeah, it's and I mean, I, lo I don't know if you've ever looked, you should go look at some of the comic stuff when you get a chance. I mean, he is a womanizer, like classic good looks, Cajun accent, rippling abs, like Channing Tatum oh, would be perfect for that. You definitely have a type. Uh, this has been great. I learned so many things. I'm really happy that you got to learn those things. Thank you for teaching me. When are you going to send a welcome. quiz? You're going to send a pop quiz. All right. Here's your pop quiz. In oh, what no, year? <laughs> in what year was the original Captain America film made? I don't know. 1990. Son of a bitch. You're a shitty teacher. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. You're going to blame the institution on this one. Hey, as the as the wise Chinese proverb says, the wise Chinese proverb says, problem is not with the student, problem is with the teacher. There we go. All right, everybody. I'm going to call it a night. Adrian, are we going to call it a night? This was a good episode, wasn't it? It was a good episode. It was so tight, so clean. Efficient. So professional. Efficient. And it's well, probably because I did most of the talking. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. I won't do that again. I apologize. All right. You're um We're still friends, right? Hmm. Hey, by the way, I did do the update on the PS3 tonight. So I got it all updated and got all the hardware updated. Got made sure the game is on there. You have to play this game. This this game is just the last I see you trying to buy my love back right now. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm gonna buy your love it's back. Working. It's worth it's, work, like it's <laughs> working, you son Damn of a it. bitch. I Me hate too. you. Uh... You piece of shit. Um all right. Well, I'm going to sign off. Okay. You have your call at five. Look at you made it. You didn't even have to take a break. I don't even have to take a break. Are you no, kidding? We on this. Look at I don't us. Have to, I don't even have to take a break. I don't even have to take a break. Uh, I need to take a break from all this. Very nice. All right. So next week, we're good. We know what we're doing. We'll talk on Tuesday. We'll talk next on week, Tuesday. Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man: so, No Way Home. We're going to talk call. about the impact on the MCU and what this movie means. Yeah. Yes. Can't wait. Okay. Have a good night. All right. You too. Have a good rest of your week. Adios, friend. Bye.